this is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. Joining me this week, the rock and scissors of the famed game Rock, Paper, Scissors, Renee Rodriguez. Snip, snip. And Nick White. Uh, rock noise. <laughs> Crash? <laughs> I don't know. Slam, crush, roll. What sound does a what sound does <laughs> a boulder you. make? Thank if it you. Falls the in joke's the woods done. And... Thank you. Thank you guys for joining me today for episode three hundred and thirty-one of I Read Comic Books. You know, I said something a long time ago, way back when we recorded episode three hundred. For all of you hardcore IRCB listeners, back in October, we had a monumental episode with episode three hundred. I said the show is going to end at three hundred and thirty-three. We are so close to that number. I feel like this is an omen, like we we might end the show unexpectedly. We don't know why, but it might happen. So I'm feeling weird. But in order to pr- try to prevent that, uh, we have publicly posted the A Better Batmobile reading list on Patreon because I realized that we've been talking about that show nonstop. And I really want folks out there to see what we have in store. There's three, almost four episodes out on Patreon right now. They're all incredible so far. I've listened to them and read everything that's gone on with the series. It's so much fun. Uh, I'm going to post a link in the show notes to the Patreon page that has the list of everything that's going to be read as part of that series um, just to get folks hyped up. And maybe you want to check out the Patreon because of that. So uh, make sure to grab that. Uh, in the show notes, it's it's a really, really great list. And Paul did a fantastic job with this prelude write-up about what the series is about, uh, what Grant Morrison's Batman means to him and and everything. So uh, make sure you check that out. Anyways, we're here to talk about comic books. I guess that's what we do every single week, uh, whether you like it or not. I have two legally mandated questions, and that is how have you been? How have comic books been? Let's start with you, Nick. Sure. Uh, absolutely. Uh, West Michigan Weather Watch would be everyone's decided it's time to mow their lawns, and uh, that always mm-hmm. means that they want to mow their lawns at like 1 p.m. on Sunday. I I can't control it. <laughs> right when we start <laughs> recording, I, I feel like like all of the people have it on their calendar. Oh, this is when uh you know I read comic books records, so we better I better disrupt it. So um, outside of that, it's it's been good. It's a race weekend for F1. Uh, and what that means for Sunday is that I have to absolutely avoid uh, Twitter, uh, CNN, mm-hmm. uh, my uh, news app, which, you know, algorithmically, you know, is like, hey, we know that you want news about these topics. And I'm like, not today. <laughs> Immediately <laughs> not today. as the race is happening, right? Yeah, we're, talking like, about, we're talking about F-Zero, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> F-Zero, Captain Falcon. I hope he places yes. first, definitely. Uh, oh my god I would love that I would love F-Zero would be real but um, that's money on the table for Nintendo I can't believe they haven't like sponsored an F1 car so all right, we need to stay we need F- to stay focused with this okay, alright sorry sorry go <laughs> yeah, ahead, go ahead. Someone, they need to make a Captain Falcon livery for a car Yes, uh, that please. would be perfect but uh, yeah it's just sort of a half day of me desperately trying to avoid the internet trying to deliver the content I want which uh, is it is the future dystopia that we live in. So uh, anybody listening live, if you post race results, I will, um, you know, insert Liam Neeson. I will find you, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Kevin <laughs> says his lips are sealed. They better be. Thanks, Kev. We appreciate you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, so let's talk about what I read. I, I did read Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Last Ronin, number two. I think I might have briefly spoken a little about the first issue a while back. So uh, for those unaware, this uh, has story by Kevin Eastman, Peter Laird of Eastman and Laird TMNT fame. Uh, They finally got Laird uh, back in, which is, which is 
no small accomplishment because even if you've read sort of the behind the scenes commentary that the two of them wrote for the black and white collections, like even in text Laird feels like he doesn't want to be there. (laughs) And (laughs) (laughs) even, even, even with just the written word on the page, you can still feel that Eastman and Laird maybe don't quite get along amicably anymore. Like interesting, like both of them give feedback on issues, even if, um, only one of them or the other one wrote or drew it. So Laird will be writing about Eastman's issue and he'll be like, yeah, I don't know what Eastman was trying to do with this plot. It didn't really do anything for me. The art's fine, I guess. Like, and you're thinking, Nick, are you paraphrasing this to be funny? No, I'm not. Like, read it. It's, <laughs> it's very clear. They don't quite get along these days. Um, Interesting. It's Interesting. it's really funny. So if if you want to read the black and white collections, go read them. The commentary is hilarious. So they got both of them on board. Maybe each doesn't know the other one was involved. <laughs> and it's like I'm a parent sure. trap thing where at the end they're like, oh my gosh, they're trying to bring us together. So yeah. Uh, and of course, Tom Waltz also did the story. Waltz has been the main story architect of the 2012 IDW reboot. So that fits. Oh, nice. Uh, nice. Script is by Waltz and Eastman. So because Laird has a story credit, you know, they probably talked to him on the phone for two minutes. Uh, layouts right. are by Eastman. Pencils and inks are by Esau and Isaac Escorza. Sorry, guys, about the name. Uh, ben mm-hmm. Bishop and Kevin Eastman. Colors are by Luis Antonio Delgado, Color Assistance by Samuel Plata, Letters by Sean Lee. I get that when most people see a credits page this long, like their brain automatically goes to, oh my gosh, this must be DC Comics. And they realize they had a week to finish a book. But with this book, I do really think it is just the natural byproduct of a very ambitious uh, and very like like large scale project with a lot of moving pieces. Um, And the more you read the book, the more it becomes very clear that this was like clearly this very well thought out um, comprehensive project. And if you're wondering if you need to come into this with either an understanding of Eastman and Laird's original run or the 2012 IDW reboot, the answer is you mostly don't. You mostly don't. Um, You'll get a little more mileage if you know about either, but you're definitely not going to feel lost. Like if you know who the turtles are, if you know who April O'Neil is, if you know who Casey Jones is, if you have an idea of who Shredder is, you're probably going to be fine. So, um, so what is this book? Is it about a specific turtle, or is this a new character or something else? You're wondering who the last Ronin is, right? That's yeah. That's I mean, the it, maybe that's a spoiler. I don't know. That I feel is, like the cover. <laughs> okay. you know, that is sort of an unfolding mystery that okay gets addressed but i don't want to talk about that because that is kind of really what drives the plot initially so that is a mystery you're just gonna have to find out um i think i think people will be surprised i was definitely surprised when i found out who it was so Mm -hmm. wait so we we already know who it is in issue two Uh uh-oh uh (laughs) well i I think i know who it is no (laughs) i issue two yeah. Oh, okay. I was gonna say, did they tell us? Like, or I was like, if it's a mystery thing, they're yeah. showing their hand early, which I don't mind. You know, maybe it's like sure. a knives out thing. But well, it's like... only five issues, right? So it's not like this is you know being stretched out forever, right? The story plot does feel like it is kind of borrowing from the Frank Miller playbook of let's take a well known character 
let's put them in a gritty authoritarian future and let's ratchet up the the age rating from PG-13 to R. Like, it does feel like it took a page from that playbook, but it doesn't feel gratuitous. Okay. It doesn't feel like, oh my God, Raphael just chopped off that guy's head because he just does not care anymore. Like, so you're saying it's Raphael. No, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. And I'm not just trying to save myself here. It's not Raphael. I know. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm yeah. kidding. Um, so, yeah, it doesn't suffer from like HBO season one syndrome of we can do anything here. And so we're going to do sex and violence up front until we get right. bored with it. Get the um, turtles just completely nude in the first yeah. issue. <laughs> right. Yeah. They're completely nude now, except that's basically what they were before except for wearing a belt and a bandana, they were basically right. nude. Um, Bandanas are off. shells. I mean, yeah, you guys yeah. don't know anything about <laughs> Oh, no, 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 Renee. No, I don't like that. I, I don't like that imagery. Also, uh, Raphael very clearly wears a trench coat. You know? Oh, that's oh, true. And a fedora. <laughs> <laughs> Raphael's walking around the streets of New York just saying, milady, like yeah. over and over, but with a gritty voice, milady, you know? Raphael has an intense Reddit presence, but it's not a good one. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> my my brother and I always say the the constant thing that he says from the the first Turtles movie when he runs into Casey Jones. Not like that. They don't. Not from oh my, you. Oh my god. Um. So Nick, what are your thoughts on this book? Is it any good? Is it worth reading? Yeah, it's it's good. It's really good. Like initially, you do start to worry that it is going to borrow a little too much from the Frank Miller like vengeance, you know, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But. It feels really well thought out. The world building is fantastic. There is an entire issue um, which you can buy. And I know sometimes these sort of like side issue, director's cut issue, black and white issues, people are like, you know, roll of the eyes. Okay, someone's trying to make an extra buck. But it's IDW, so yes. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So that is probably what's happening. I just fell for it a little bit more than everyone else. Um, There's an issue. I think it's called the like last Ronin design doc or something like this. And it is like Mm -hmm. all of the world building documents with all of Eastman's notes. And it's a ton of Kevin Eastman sketches. Um, And if you're into that stuff, uh, I think you'll dig it. it. Bottom line, if you like Kevin Eastman art, Eastman is actually handling the flashback sequences on this book. And it's so good. It's so fantastic. It's a nice touch. It's almost like when you see Jeff Lemire sort of like doing the art within the art of a book and you're like, oh, this is really yeah. cool and fitting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, I if, if you if you know very little about Turtles, you can jump into this. You'll have a good time. It's fantastic. Turtles awesome. in general or the Ninja Turtles? both Uh, why not both to quote a famous internet uh video um look renee uh i like turtles okay oh renee what are you uh what have you been reading (laughs) uh i read this i actually saw this book on tiktok um so i decided i love this intro already i (laughs) nick listen all right, some of the folks on TikTok are pretty good. I'll have to, I have to. Say no, that. no, no, no. I'm not saying this won't be that. Like, whenever anybody intros it with, I saw this on TikTok. Like, I'm just like, I have no idea where this is going. I'm excited, so I'm sorry. Go ahead, Renee. Like I was saying, TikTok. <laughs> um, and it's called "Let This Grieving Soul Retire," uh-huh. Volume One. Uh, story and art by Rai Hibino, and it's based off of a uh, a light novel. Uh, so the original story is by Suki Kage, and the character design is by uh, someone named Chico, I think. Um, so I saw this on TikTok, and it just kind of seemed really funny. 
Uh, it's about like this hero who isn't actually that good of a hero, but all of his friends are like essentially like the best heroes in the world. And like it was their childhood uh, goal to become really good heroes. And he decided that he was going to retire like halfway through that thing. And they went, nah, that's stupid. You should be the leader of our guild. And he's like, what? Sure. <laughs> he's like, that's a okay. terrible idea. But they basically. So when you say not good, you mean inept, right? Not evil. You mean that when you say he's not good, you mean that he's just. He has inept. no talents for everything. He has, a, no, he has no talents for anything. Okay. He's just, he's very like, like he probably shouldn't be doing this. He should probably be doing <laughs> like, like, a like he, should, leader. he should be, he should be a secretary or it's something. It's a danger like that. to him and others is what you're saying. <laughs> Yeah, he was like, he was like, he's like, it's very clear that there's like, uh, like I'm, you know, should be third string. Y'all are on first string. Maybe I should actually just be the towel boy type yeah. thing. I see. I see. Maybe I just have a big sign on the sidelines that says go team, you know, that type of thing. Okay. But instead, all of his friends are like, no, I believe in you. I think you should be the leader of our guild or whatever. And so he's the leader of the guild and he's sort of like coming into, he's running into all these other people who also like, also just because he's the leader of the guild, like, and that he's like been around all these really strong people. There's been a lot of like fanfare and legends that have been all about it. And he's constantly like, yeah, all that stuff's not true. I'm actually a coward. And I like want to throw up all the time. I just want to not do this job. And uh, so it's, it's kind of funny. It's a little weird. No, no, that's literally it. Every single time you're we like, wait, no, that secret, you know, type thing that happens. And it was like, no, they're really the chosen one. He's like, no, I'm really out of depth. But, you know, things just kind of keep working out for one reason or another. But I'm scared all the time. And literally one of his quirks is that he wants to throw up all the oh time. My. So there's no like... uh to quote Parappa the rapper, uh, I know, I gotta believe moment. That's not a No, no. He <laughs> he also like constantly he keeps doing this thing where like he sends people out to go do jobs because he doesn't want to do them. And then it turns out that like the job he's picked for them ends up being way harder than it's supposed to be. <laughs> And so like, okay. like the first volume ends up with like his one of the people that's like in a side like guild or whatever that's under his guild. Uh like uh she calls him master and stuff and all that. Of course. But she's like uh oh she she has to lead a party to go do a mission, and so she tells them she's like, Look, all of you need to write your wills because we could die on this. <laughs> Hmm. So is this like you, you you said guild? Is this like a fantasy themed thing or yeah yeah okay yeah okay. it's a, it's a fantasy adventurer thing so yeah interesting it's kind of funny I'm still like on the fence about it like I'm you're always kind of worried about where uh well me specifically I'm always worried about where TikTok recommendations are going to take me sure um, <laughs> sure that's fair uh so I mean we'll we'll see uh okay. what about you Mike. Uh, I've, I've read a couple books this week. I read, uh, I hate this place. Number one. This is my pick of the week last week by Kyle Starks, um, pencils and inks by RTM Topolin, uh, colors by Lee Lowridge letters by Pat Purcell. I, I was hoping, I think I said this last week, I was hoping for like a good comedy romp with this first issue with like some horror elements. And it turns out that this is actually like just a straight up over the top horror 
book. Um, not in a way that's I, I didn't feel like it was a creepy book. I felt like it's a very aware of itself type of story without saying that it knows that it's a horror story. Like Kyle Starks and his group of creators gives us this like over the top horror book that feels like an 80s horror action movie that kind of knows how ridiculous it's being. Like there's a big old bag of guns and eye bulging cows and cliched to deaths. We're going to make a brand new life here as these characters show up to this clearly haunted house. Um, <laughs> it has like all the bad trappings that you would expect from a place that's got monsters and ghosts and a big bad and, you know, killer psychos on the loose as well as aliens. Like this book has all of the things that you would expect to go into a horror movie and yet it feels almost like a cabin in the woods style um, look at a story, but without being super meta about itself. Um, it, like I said, it, it screams classic dumb horror. Um, Starks wrote in the back of the issue that he wanted to include UFOs, a haunted house, a big unknown power, plus a deranged killer, which to me feels like a lot to put into one single comic. And yet this first issue included all of that and nothing really felt out of place. Uh, the book's a little clunky, but I feel like that clunkiness is everything that you would expect out of an 80s movie. I don't think that that's Kyle Starks writing a bad comic. I think it's him just saying, and cut to this person literally pulls out a huge gym bag full of guns. Like, why wouldn't why wouldn't they? Right. We need to set up all of the Chekhov's everything in order for it to play out later in the book. So I, I do appreciate like how intense it was without trying to stray too deep into comedy like there were bits that i found funny but they didn't feel like jokes um and when it's someone like kyle starks writing a comic i think this guy is solid enough of a writer to know how to write bits like that that are funny without being jokes themselves because we know that kyle starks if you've read any of his other work um everyone go read the six sidekicks of trigger keaton it's one of the funniest comics to come out in the last couple of years um you know that he can write a funny story um and yet he wanted to do a horror co horror comic but this doesn't feel like a the plot. It doesn't feel like the plot. It doesn't feel like uh, anything that uh, Cullen Bunn has written in the last five years, you know, um, like over the top, very scary kind of stuff. So I'm, I'm interested to see where this book goes. Um, I, I think the thing I'm trying to keep in mind is that there's like nothing wrong with this dumb horror type fun if you don't think about it too much like why are there aliens and some big sort of eldritch horror and all of these other things like how can you take it too serious when Every single type of horror trope is included in a comic. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited to see where Starks takes this book. Um, the first issue felt fun, but I feel like if it doesn't keep pace with being both a horror book and over the top, it's going to fall apart really fast. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm digging this book. And our, our team Tomplin's art is really, really solid. Like, I feel like the subtlety from their work in Ice Cream Man Quarantine Comics is lost a bit. But I think that, that was a very unique comic to try to, like, show off subtlety and, and some of the intricacies of their art. This book uh, instead exchanges that subtlety for massive one page displays of like them really showing off and saying, Hey, Lilo Ridge, I challenge you to do this page. Um, and it's colors really, really smartly. And it, they deliver every single time. Um, the last page in this book, especially is just like really cool. There's nothing like fantastical or overly intricate about it, but just, I think the way that it was delivered hits home, like the, the tone and the future of this book where there's a mystery and then there's, like aliens and super killers and all this other stuff all at once. So um, I'm excited to see where this book goes and what this creative team is capable of in the future. Um, but yeah, I hate this place. Number one, which I think Danny in our, in our discord had a copy of the non censored version, which I think is called fuck this place. Number one. 
um which i like because it's like if you go to a place like this i think kyle stark says in the back and is is like afterwards um that if you saw a place like this you too would be screaming yeah fuck this place as soon as you showed up so uh i i really like that um yeah i i think this book was solid um but i'm worried that it can't it might not be able to keep itself together as the series goes on so i'm hesitantly optimistic i guess is it a mini series or is it, is it an ongoing as far as i know it's ongoing, but I didn't oh. really look too much further than that. I just saw Kyle Starks. I clicked pre-order and then I got it. So um, <laughs> not really thinking about it. I'm just ready to to read it. I was going to say, like, it's hard to imagine books with that much content and that much energy, like pacing well forever. But then again, right, right. you know, I keep reading, you know, extravagant tales of horrible vengeance by Rick Remender and, uh, that's still <laughs> the righteous thirst for vengeance <laughs> whatever <laughs> okay anyways uh nick did you read anything else you want to talk about uh clearly not that rick remender book <laughs> sure um yeah i did read uh spy x family volume one a book that probably no one on this show has absolutely ever heard of uh except i think it probably gets brought up <laughs> seven or eight times a week by three or four different people um so you've probably never heard of it um this one's been on my radar for a while just because it gets talked about so much and sort of joke slash action manga are um something i'm always kind of interested to at least give a try uh, this book is uh, written and drawn by Tetsuya Endo. And I think as most people know, you know, the basic premise is that you have this spy who's tasked with getting close to this target, um, who endangers the truce between the East and West fictional nations of the book. The target is a huge recluse, and the only way to get uh, close to him um, are through the only real public events that he attends, which are those uh, at the private school that his son goes to. So, of course, the spy needs to, you know, get married, um, have a child, enroll the kid at the school, attend the events, and everything that goes along with that, basically. And, of course, he isn't really interested in having to put up with kids and and have a wife, but he, you know, decides that he's going to have to find a way to make that work. Um and uh, yeah, it's it's got a great sense of humor to it, but also just a fantastic art art style. Um, I'm I don't know, like frequently with a lot of these books, like you start to deal with issues of, you know, same face problems and, and everybody looks really very distinct and different here. So you don't end up going like, oh, gosh, who is this character again? Um, and just the level of detail here is just fantastic. Like the panel where um, I think his name is Lloyd, but it's spelled L-O-I-D, which is a very interesting spelling of Lloyd, um, is about to spring over the table to like punch one of the um, evaluators at his daughter's school interview in the face. There's a panel where he's like springing over the desk to punch him, and it just looks great. It's absolutely fantastic. Um, I do find it a little weird that his cover identity... Um, he goes with the last name of Forger, which is, um, a little weird. I mean, why don't you just go as like Jeff Arsonist at that point or something like that? <laughs> you know, I don't know. Interesting choice. You can say, well, Nick, I'm sure. I'm, I mean, I don't know. I assume that the translation was adapted accurately enough that that was what was initially intended. 
So. I think you got to let some things go. Let like, some I mean, go. A- yeah. Anya's, Anya's favorite TV show is called Bond Man. I yeah. mean, there's yeah. some things you just got to you just got to take and just be like, all right. Yeah, that's what's happening. And just yeah. run with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a. Uh... It's it's great. The the interview process, which is what a lot of this trade, it's mostly him getting the family together. And then in the interview process is uh, it's super f- it's 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 pretty funny. Like he's doing practice interviews with his daughter, who I forgot to mention. Gosh, this is such a huge part of it. His daughter, which he gets from an orphanage, turns out to be a psychic, have psychic powers. Mm-hmm. And right. his wife ends up to be an assassin. Except Lloyd knows, <laughs> here we go, here we go, here's the fun part. Lloyd knows that his daughter is psychic, and the daughter knows that both of them have the roles that they each respectively have, but the wife doesn't know that the daughter is psychic, and the husband and wife are not aware of what the other one does. Actually, Lloyd does not know that Anya's psychic. He just thinks she's very perceptive. <laughs> Wait, is that? This is, so yeah, this is, yeah, this is where this. That's in the story, insane, right? It's like intentionally convoluted and wild to add Absolutely. to the hilarity, right? Yeah, dude, you haven't even met the dog yet, so I mean, no. it's gonna get way more crazy. <laughs> but yeah, they're practicing interviews with the daughter, and Lloyd is like, "So Anya, you know, what do you do when you aren't in school? You know, like the interview questions that you would get from these these proctors." And she goes, "Well, since Papa leaves me home alone, I watch TV and feel sad." And I'm like, "I get that. That's fair." <laughs> <laughs> oh my god oh, Nick's, Nick's finding a lot of connection with this right, character yeah, like if, book. I, I think if you were a latchkey kid like this book might connect with you <laughs> I see I'm just see. kidding and I'm not saying I mean my parents were both helicopter parents it's uh, not a yeah I had the opposite problem um, <laughs> anyway, we'll get into that in the second half of the show yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Um, the other thing I just want to highlight is honestly the lettering and word art in this book is fantastic and i don't know if this is just something that happens in manga a lot although i did notice in it in another book which i'll talk about later so maybe it's more of a manga thing than i was aware of but um this book likes to use these little emojis of characters to indicate when someone is speaking off screen mm-hmm. and that's really great again maybe manga's been doing this forever and it's just not in some of the books i read but I mm-hmm. think that that is genius and perfect and just adds this level of like narrative clarity when you're reading a book, especially like a, a dialogue heavy book. Um, and of course with manga, not being able to like rely or not wanting to do the massive, um, a lot of like Western comics, right. They have an obsession with a huge, like two panel spread where it's just dozens of conversation bubbles just all over the place. And it's like, what the sure. fuck is this shit? manga at least with these books like you're dealing with simple five six panel pages and it's like well how do you how do you parse out you know the dialogue and so doing the emoji little characters is just that's great i think that's fantastic i also really love um the book uses they look like thought bubbles but they don't have the trailing bubbles. So it's just a big bubble but then it looks like a sun because they've got all these little lines jutting out from it Mm-hmm. And that, I guess, is like a internal monologue bubble. Man, Nick, there's there's so much more complexity to manga. I think that like we we probably should do an entire episode on this, honestly, yeah. because I feel like that that 
American comics, for the most part, are pretty simple in comparison. Like yeah. when you look at the the range of shorthand that is built into these manga volumes, and yeah. like like for this specific reason, like little chibi characters or little like the way that different symbols on the word bubbles themselves mean different things as to what's happening. It's it's very, very smart. And like we lean on captions very much in the West. I think manga, they try to depict emotion and other things way better and ways in, a, in much smarter ways. Um, that makes makes it, I don't know, feel like there's a more advanced culture when it comes to like comic book literacy over in, in Japan and Korea and in China and stuff like that. Just yeah, yeah, totally, totally feel that. Yeah, so it's as like an internal monologue thing. It's great, and you don't have this stupid design issue of like having to create like a trail of thought bubbles mm-hmm. to clutter mm-hmm. the page. Just great. I, I think it's 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 such an efficient way to do more with less space. And uh, so, full credit to Rena Mappa who does um, the lettering uh, and touch up art for that book because. Uh, for a comedy book, flow and and narrative are so important, and and just being able to get it right the first time is just, yeah, really impressed with that. Just the little things. I'm still picking this stuff up, so just maybe I'll be jaded and not easily impressed in half a beer with everything. Yeah. But for now, everything is new and bright and and wonderful. And um, <laughs> yeah, look at what we've done, Renee. We've yeah. created a monster out of Nick. Yeah, I regret nothing. <laughs> What else have you been reading, Renee? Uh, books, Mike. Lots and lots of books. Um, All right. Well, then we're going to take a quick break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I actually finally read a Western comic that I've been meaning to read for a while, and that is Thor, Goddess of Thunder, Volume 1. Uh, it's written by Jason Aaron with art by Russell Dodderman and Jorge Molina with coloring by Matthew Wilson. And then also Jorge Molina also did coloring on the issue that he did, at least for this first volume. And then lettering by VCs Joe Sabino. This book was good. It was good. I enjoyed it um, like I knew I would. I do enjoy seeing Malekith as sort of the unhinged creature that he is. You know, he's just, you're like, ah, you're crazy. You make me uncomfortable. What, what um, is Malekith? He's, yeah. he's the king of the Dark Elves. Okay. Is this the, is this the, the first like uh, Jane Thor or is this another like subsequent yeah, yeah, volume? Yeah, it's the first, okay. first Jane Foster Thor. So we actually don't even know that she's Jane Foster at this point. Oh, like, sorry, spoilers whole, for a really old comic, I guess. Yeah, throughout the whole volume, they're like, who is this? She's stolen Thor's hammer. They're like, Lady Thor? What? Lots of lots of that. Um, also, there's a someone goes, not even like Lady Thunderstrike. And I was like, hey, Thunderstrike, callback. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's a lot of good and bad to like about this book. Um, like there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of really fun things going on. Um, and I really enjoyed it all the way through. The only thing I didn't really like is like, you know, sort of seeing Odin being an old fool and stuck in his ways. And, you know, a lot of the Asgardians kind of just being very like trying to move backwards, um, which like will happen, you know, in comics. Like um, for me, for reading Thor, anything Thor, the J. Michael Straczynski books will always stick out in my mind because they mm-hmm, mm-hmm. were just so dang good and they had so much character development. And like that was after like the huge loss, like they were dead and came back. And, you know, there was so much that happened in that series that it feels like anything after that feels like it's taking a huge like step back. And this also uh, kind of undoes a couple things from uh, Fear Itself, which 
I really didn't enjoy Fear, Fear Itself was actually kind of the book that made me stop reading Western books altogether. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, <laughs> there was there was a huge there was a huge period of time where I didn't I stopped buying Western comics, um, and I you know, really only read manga. To be like fair, I, Renee, I, I don't think I don't think anyone I don't think most people came away from Fear Itself um, loving it. So I don't know if that yeah. helps, but uh, I don't know if people yeah. quite came away with the hard hard line stance that you took following reading the book. <laughs> well, I love I it. No, no, that's I right. I can't that's... blame it entirely on Fear Itself. Cause, but what happened was I was reading Fear Itself. I didn't like it. And then I was also moving. So I had to go to my local comic book shop and be like, hey, I'm moving. So I'm not going to be buying my comics from here anymore. So I literally stopped. I moved. And then I just didn't become a... Uh, I didn't go to another local comic book store and I was just like, well, a lot of things are changing in DC fear itself was terrible. Yeah. You know, I was like, totally understand. And so I was just like, it was like, it was just this huge changing point in my life. And then I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to keep reading the manga that I like. And I also didn't even pick up manga for about a year, which is why when I got back into it, I bought 40 manga in a year. Um, (laughs) (laughs) nice nice so um but again to get back to my point was um there's a lot to like about this thor i do want to keep reading it but like there's always just that kind of thing where it's like oh even though we had all this growth for these characters you know that was a different writer that was 10 years ago Mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. we're always going to take either a half step back with every you know couple steps forward that we take just because you know the characters need to follow this cycle. You know, it is what it is. But regardless of that, I still had a fun time. I love what Jason Aaron did in this series and I want to keep reading it. And, you know, if I finish Goddess of Thunder, we'll see if I want to keep reading what happens with Thor next. But at the time being, I'm like, yeah, yeah, Thor is just going to become uh, worthy again. Somehow he's going to regrow his arm, whatever. Uh Wait, he's missing an arm? Yeah, he gets, no, no, his, no. He gets his arm cut off in the first fucking issue. Wow. Uh, before, was... before we get too deep into that, I, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna take over here because I have one more book I want to talk about, and that is X Men Red number two. Um, this is the Al Ewing book with pencils and arts by Stefano Caselli, colors by Federico Blee, letters by VCs Corey Petit. Um, ultimately, if you are not reading this this X Men like destiny of x thing i i'm so sorry for you because i'm gonna continue to talk about x-men on this show uh and if you if you have any thoughts on it or you have Shock. any questions let me know but i this book is interesting i read a bunch of the x books that came out this week and this is the only one that i thought was really worth talking about mm. the reason i like this book the most is because it feels like i'm reading a conspiracy theory as it's happening in real time um because this book is about conspiracy that agent brand has hatching and i'm not going to say any more than that that she has hatching in the x-men universe um and you get to see her actually adding layers to it to make things more complex by pulling weird characters into the story and making you know them make mistakes intentionally and all this stuff it's a really really fun book and i feel like only uh like only a handful of writers could pull something off like this and have it not feel like super forced but i think ewing's writing is like really really subtle in the way that he 
plays Bran's character in what she's doing versus what she's writing to people because, of course, it's an X-Men book, so every single fucking issue has a page of prose in it. Not that, like, that's a bad thing, because, like, I get it, but also, like, it totally destroys the flow of a comic book. Um, so, I don't know. It's it's an interesting book, and I think, like, it's definitely a, a solid pick, and I love seeing Storm being like the most badass character ever i just wish there was more of her in each issue so hoping that uh yeah see danny in the chat saying that he skips the prose the prose is crucial in this book if you skip it it is it literally in the middle of the book or is it front end or back end it's literally in the middle like just randomly a a whole page is just prose (sighs) there's There's probably a lot to be said about this. I have a feeling that like I could probably do a deep dive on all of the House of X, uh, like an era of X-Men books from start to current and like do a breakdown as to like which books actually use the prose properly and which ones didn't. And uh, spoilers, the majority of them didn't use it well. Um, but yeah, this issue was pretty good. And I don't know. I like X-Men. I like X-Men Red. I like Al Ewing's writing. So I'm, I'm very excited to see where this book goes. Um <laughs> I was gonna say, Mike, that sounds like TikTok content to me. Yeah. Oh boy. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna become a <laughs> professional TikToker and get in the middle yes. of X Twitter and TikTok and just have everyone hate me in the world because I'm not talking about 90s X Men. So, anyways, we're gonna take a quick break, I think. And uh, when we come back, we're gonna talk about. I guess we're changing our format a little bit for episodes like this. We're gonna talk about our number one book that we read, and then we're gonna jump into the books that are on the top of our pile. So we'll be back to finish things up in just a minute. back this week on i read comic books i don't know we're not we're, we're changing up the way that we do things on the show trying to you know just add some spice to life so um we're talking about our number one book that we read recently um and i guess we're just gonna pitch things right over to renee uh what was the best thing you read recently that you want to talk about here on the show so i uh actually reread most of a series this week um because I I was uh, just scrolling through uh, anime Twitter, you know, as you do, mm-hmm. um, and I saw some some clips uh, from a wonderful wonderful series called uh, Kuroko's Basketball, or uh, nice. Kuroko no Basket as it's known in Japan, um, and which is about high school basketball in Japan, obviously. Um, I, I mean, not obviously. I don't know what Kuroko means. I don't Kuroko's, know what basketball Kuroko's means. the main character's name. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just here to be mean to you, today. I'm sorry. But uh, I was watching some clips of it, so I started. I originally watched this series as an anime because mm-hmm. right, it was on Crunchyroll, and it was it was blowing up when I originally watched it, and. Um, so I had actually never read the manga other than like a chapter or two. Mm-hmm. So I was watching a clip from the show. Then I started rewatching the the show. And then I was just like for kicks and giggles, I decided to rewatch the uh, the <laughs> the movie that came out. Um, and then I was just like, you know what? The anime is taking too long. This is too much of a process. So I decided to jump at the point that I was at in the anime from my rewatch and then just read all the way to the end of the series so that was like chapters 120 to 275 mm-hmm. and um because yeah i really love this series it's all about like you know just the love of sport and like teamwork and then also you know what it's like to really kind of 
go against like, you know, your friends, but also rivals. It's good. I'm like, I really don't like basketball, <laughs> but I really like Kuroko's basketball. <laughs> Is this going to turn into another one of Renee's um, fights against the 100 chapter daily limit? Because it sounds uh, like. No, no. Actually, luckily, I didn't run into it. I paced myself really well. So I didn't actually hit that. Okay, thank God. I also <laughs> took I also took breaks and read other I read some series that were on my tablet and then I also read some web comics to actually kind of divert from just trying to power through Kuroko's basketball so I wouldn't hit the hundred chapter limit uh in a see. day. Um, I see. Proud of you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, you know, I've, I've actually read the first volume of this. I was just being a shit earlier. I have read the first volume of Kuroko's Basketball, and I really liked it. Um, and then someone introduced me to Haikyuu, and I read that most of that instead. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. I like Haikyuu more than Kuroko's Basketball, but I uh-huh. still also like Kuroko's Basketball. Also, I forgot to mention story and art by uh, Tadatoshi Fujimaki and his assistants. And mm-hmm. I love, actually, Tadatoshi Fujimaki. His other series, Robot Laser Beam was one of my favorites that got canceled way too soon, which was about golf, which uh, <laughs> I also don't care about. <laughs> I don't care about golf. But, but then like, I assume you don't love, I assume you don't play Go all the time, but you're a huge fan of uh, the book that I can't think of the title. Actually, Go? <laughs> actually uh, I got really into Go oh. after <laughs> After reading Hikaru no Go, and actually me and my best friend in high school, we would play online Go, and we bought like a like a magnetic Go board and played each other all the time. He downloaded a Go uh, game on Xbox, and I actually do uh, Joseki puzzles on my phone. Okay, uh, so the gotcha. absolute reverse actually happened. <laughs> yeah. No, no, it's not reversey. It's Go, Nick. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> um, okay. Anyways, like we yeah, passed no, well, Go, I'm, and now we're going to put $200. <laughs> I, well, Renee, I'm glad that you brought this book back to my attention, at least, because I have been meaning to go back and read this because I really liked the first volume. Um, but maybe I should finish Haikyuu. Well, here's here's my order is probably what's going to happen. I'm going to finish Jujutsu Kaisen, then finish Haikyuu, then finish Claymore, then I'll get to Kuroko's Basketball. Like, Jujutsu so. Kaisen is a, a weekly. You can't finish I know. it. Well, you can I'm catch almost, up. I want to get caught up, and I just can't read more than two or three chapters at a time because it's so boring. Um <laughs> So that's why, but I, I, do. that's why I dropped that book. Right. Uh, exactly. So interesting. Interesting. Those are those are interesting ha- uh, interesting thoughts to hold concurrently of, you know, I'm trying to power my way through this. It's hard because it's boring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's like the uh, big book, too, right now. Like Jujutsu oh, Kaisen's everywhere. Guys, I've got to get current on this book. I hate it so much. I hate it, but I got to. Speaking of, let's uh, let's talk about your number one uh, read that you had, Nick. What a uh, good segue. <laughs> thank you. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. That was a masterful segue. Mm-hmm. Hello there. Uh, <laughs> go go <laughs> ahead. One masterful segue deserves a, a terrible one. Um so I want to talk about a book that is not so much number one in quality, but number one in priority, because I need to warn other people. Um, this is me providing my oft-requested uh, public service announcement uh, that you do not need to, nor should you want to, uh, read Star Wars Obi-Wan, number one, a miniseries <laughs> that recently began. First off, you don't need to call it Star Wars Obi-Wan. There aren't two Obi-Wans in my life, and I'm not likely <laughs> to confuse <laughs> confuse this one with, a, with you know, oh, sorry, I, I was thinking of the Obi-Wan on my, you know, 
pickup basketball team. No, mm-hmm, this is mm-hmm. there's just one for me, so you don't need that. Um, I suppose they just do it so alphabetically all the Star Wars books get lumped together uh, so that the Star Wars junkies can just buy everything at once, uh, mm-hmm. like I do. Um, and then you read books like this. So, uh, look, this is just absolutely the worst thing I've ever read by Christopher Cantwell. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow, <laughs> coming in hard here. Uh, yeah, dude. I mean, and honestly, I'll just try to be positive about that and say that everything else <laughs> has been great, right? Like, honestly, everything else by him has been really, really wonderfully solid. And so okay. this just has to stack up against that. And, and it doesn't. The book just sort of has that unmistakable odor of cash grab uh, from the moment it was kind of announced. And it was like, okay, like we're trying to time something with the miniseries. Like I get it. Tie-ins exist. They've been a Mm -hmm. part of, you know, mass media and culture forever. That's fine. Uh, If only I had uh, an elderly hooded force sensitive hermit to talk me out of buying this book with a wave of his hand and a, hypnotic assurance that this wasn't the issue I was looking for. So that was definitely not scripted, everyone. I didn't workshop that for a while. Uh, You know that. Uh, So the book, and I suspect all the issues that follow, sort of are prefaced with Obi-Wan sitting down to jot in his diary. You know, he's emo. And just while he just sort of just dinks around on the planet of Tatooine, uh, the planet that I spelled, that planet that I misspelled 13 or 14 times, uh, while trying to write this and it never managed to spell it correctly. And maybe the comic should have been about that. Like if he was just sitting down with his Lisa Frank diary and he's like, dear diary. And then it's got like the monologue from the end of Doogie Hauser episodes where he sits down in front of the computer to just write about his day. Like maybe it should have been that, but it's not. <laughs> I would have liked that. And honestly, <laughs> What is Lisa this? Frank? Yeah, Lisa Frank. listen, Nick. What is this book about, and why did you not like it? Yeah. What is happening? <laughs> it's hard to tackle everything that's wrong with this book. All right, and I will try oh to get gosh. around it. So okay. let's just say this: the beginning part of him when he's old and he's just putzing around Tatooine is great, and I like that. And it's probably the best part. The art by Ario. Any and Indito in this part is is it's moody and it's stark and it's desolate and it's great. Okay. And if the remaining two thirds of the book were just him going around like being alone and like I don't know buying droids from Jawas or something, maybe I would have liked that. Maybe I just want to be sad. Maybe that's it. But instead the rest of the book is him, you know, like I said, going through his diary and recalling a chapter in his life. The first chapter is about when he was a youngling and basically a friend of his, her dad gets in trouble and he follows her into the lower levels of Coruscant to try to figure out what's going on with her dad and of course, as most people know, the lower okay. levels of Coruscant are dangerous, blah, blah, blah. Well, okay. <laughs> Without giving a full summary of every page that happened in the book. Yeah. Wh- that's what the, made that's you the not issue. Like this, that's the issue. Okay. Coruscant bad. Like, that's it. And I mean, mathematically, the book just has its back up against the wall because you've only got 22 pages. Your opening credits and your 
old Obi-Wan sequence eat up seven or eight of those pages, and you're left with like 14 pages to tell a very small story. And if you're thinking, Nick, well, maybe the story continues in the next issue, it's not going to. Like, Obi-Wan goes, anyway, at the end, Obi-Wan's like, anyway, that was a moment in my life, and and I never saw those people again, and I hope they're still alive, and that's it. <laughs> that's okay. it. And so you, you get 14 pages to tell a story that says, uh-oh, kids got in trouble in Coruscant, and that's it. And at the end, I thought to myself, well, maybe the redeeming factor of this book is that in the next chapter these characters from early on in his life will end up being interwoven into other points in his life, right? Like these characters are going to find each other again at a point when maybe he's a Jedi Knight or something. And that'll be the narrative through line, right? Like I gave the book a benefit, the benefit of a doubt because I thought maybe that's where they were trying to go. Okay. But then Obi-Wan's like, yeah, I never saw these people again. That's weird. Anyway, you know, done with my diary. (laughs) <laughs> and 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 next month next month i'll be a jedi knight and it'll be me with qui-gon okay so it does it does it just feel like like weird lazy library i mean like i feel like it's a, uh, you're, such you're a describing... short story it's like yeah. nothing happens nothing happens <laughs> danny in the chat is very upset about all of this so i you know i'm i'm inter- i'm interested to know maybe if you come back to this after five issues if you assuming you continue to read, um, yeah. sorry, I just read know- Danny. Just Nick read it wrong. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, like it, it'd be interesting to see. But I mean, again, I feel like your your assessment early on was this is a cash grab to try to pair something up with the TV show. Sounds one hundred percent on brand for Disney. Yeah, um, it feels. It just- it feels very much like this wasn't what you wanted it to be, and like then for therefore it's just very easily easy to attack it. I mean, like. This doesn't feel, first off, this doesn't feel like a Christopher Cantwell book to me. It really doesn't. It really, really doesn't. And and I say this a lot, and I think people throw this around and they don't mean it. I do mean it when I say I would love to be proven wrong. Like, Christopher Cantwell is a smart dude. He really is. And, And that's what makes this book ever more disappointing to me, is that it doesn't feel like him. It really feels like if you would have just crossed out the writer line in this book, let me read the book and asked me at the end who wrote this book. I would have never attached him to this book. Um, gotcha. Period. The art is just, uh, it's, it's, it's weirdly all over the place. And, and maybe that's a testament to Anandito trying to channel a brighter, different aesthetic for a younger Obi-Wan narrative set on Coruscant, as opposed to an older Obi-Wan narrative set on, uh, Tatooine, but it, it, that's disappointing too because the the older Obi Wan shit looks great. It really does. Hmm. So it feels like there's a real missed opportunity here. Yeah, I just uh, again, I would love to be proven wrong with this book, but as the number one issue, even more so, right? As a as an issue that's supposed to hook me, it doesn't like gotcha uh gotcha. Okay. yeah i mean i guess that makes sense i mean i know i'm not gonna prove you wrong because i i'm just no longer buying star wars comic books because i don't right. even go down that rabbit hole yeah. renee's making the right choice out of all of us and yeah. by not participating at all <laughs> um well nick 
I feel like I'm going to grab this when it's collected and it goes on sale for two bucks on, you know, digitally. So um, maybe we'll have to we'll have to revisit this sometime in the future. But look, check in with me next month. You know how I am. I'm an I'm a moron. I I will be buying number two and just being like, oh, God, who? Why didn't anyone tell me about issue number one? Right. But for the sake of all of our time, we're going to move on Um, because I have one more book I want to talk about. uh, And that is I I read The Ghost of You by Ed Brubaker, Sean Phillips and Jacob Phillips. This is the latest installment in the Reckless series. I think Paul talked about this pretty recently. Um, I I really dig this book. If you if you haven't been reading the Reckless series uh, of graphic novels, I think if you if you're looking for something that is out there uh that is very different than what you're going to probably find on the shelves from the big two like this is definitely one of those books and uh that's really going to work and the fact that they're pretty standalone for the most part um with a little bit of understanding is is pretty good but it's worth reading all four of them um and uh we had a person on our discord for it that that really loved this book i wanted to read it yesterday strictly because they had said that it was such a solid read and 100 agree with them 138 pages of a comic that makes you feel like you've, you've barely started the story before it's over um and i say that in the best way like i didn't realize that the book was almost done until i got to the last dozen pages and um i, I really like the way that brubaker and phillips take this side character in anno um keller who is like Ethan Reckless's partner, right? So the whole series is named after Reckless, Ethan Reckless. But um, Anna Keller is his like his cohort that helps him with all of the jobs that he does as he you know helps people solve crimes and solve mysteries and stuff. And I, I, I'm making this book sound a lot more goofy than it probably is because the the Reckless books are very much about like an 80s era noir type of story that's about crime and interesting weird things that are happening in the world of the 80s. And uh, Anna is just there; she's constantly helping Ethan in what he's doing. Um, in the previous three installments but in this one we really get a focus on her as she goes out and does a job while ethan's off and away which will be the next ogn in the series coming out later this year which is a mind fuck that we have two of these volumes or two of these ogns coming out this year wild but yeah like hearing reading this story about anna where we get to see her personal life weave in with the investigative thing that she's trying to solve where a a counterpart to our world's Elvira, aka Alvina, um, or Evelina, excuse me, um, in in the story of the Reckless books, um, she buys this old house in Old Hollywood that's supposedly haunted. Um, it's got like underground tunnels and different things, and like people were murdered in it back in the '60s. And so there's this kind of question of is this going to be spooky? Is it not? And I really like the way that Brew Baker shows Anna being pretty scared, but also fearless at the same time in this like she's just like a young woman and she's going into all of these extremely dangerous situations. And she's like, yeah, fuck this. Like, what is someone going to do? Kill me? <laughs> Is kind of like the best mentality. Um, like uh, the thing that I really loved about this uh, OGN though is that it feels like Sean Phillips really, really, really loves drawing Anna as a character. Um, she's got this tight-lipped, cynical, questioning face that they do a lot of really close, a uh, really interesting close-ups on. Um, that I, I just love. Like whenever we would get a reaction out of a character, I think everyone who's ever read a Sean Phillips book knows what a Sean Phillips guy looks like. Um, yeah. And to see this character who doesn't look like any of the any of the women that sean phillips has drawn in the past and he he truly seems to love drawing her in just slight variations on her tight-lipped face
face um, that she she shows very often. It's right on the cover of this volume. Uh, it's really, really great. And the last thing I'll say about this book is I want to like give a major shout out to Jacob Phillips on this, like who does colors. Um, his work seems to get better and better and better with every subsequent volume or, or like original graphic novel in this series. And I know he's been working with Brubaker and his dad, Sean Phillips, for a while now on comics. But man, this guy is a talent. And to look over and see the other book that he's doing, New Burn, with uh, Chip Zdarsky is unbelievable as well. But his color work in this book is amazing. Um, especially there's like the uh, a lot of scenes that involve flashlights in this book and the way that he does this extreme washing out of color instead of just like lightening the colors in the scene mm-hmm. I think is really unique um, and it's it's a very much a Jacob Phillips type of coloring like he does this smattering of of colors and like uh, like that almost looks like brushwork, but it's not like it's clearly digital brushwork that I feel like is only a Jacob Phillips thing. Like if you ever read his book that he did with Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips called All My Heroes Are, Have Been Junkies, I think is what it was, or My Heroes Have Always Been Junkies. I can't remember what it's called. Right, yeah, um, whatever it is. Junk- book, junkies um, are involved, yeah. Yeah, he he does this really interesting thing with the neons in that color that make them feel almost chalky. And you can see that in a lot of his subsequent work. Like I think the My Heroes Have Always Been Junkies um, is a, more of an experimental color palette, whereas the later work that he's done with uh, Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips and even in New Burn is, is more traditional in the color palettes that they choose. But like you can see some of that in this volume and like it adds a layer of of uniqueness and and like, specialness to this book that you're not going to find anywhere else no one else is doing color work like this uh and i really really appreciate it so um shout outs to the ghost in you because that book fucking rules and thank you for for reminding me to sit down and actually read this so you're telling me jacob phillips is doing another book in addition to this texas blood or is it that texas blood this texas yeah yeah he's doing new burn with uh with chip sadarsky oh my god he's doing all pencils inks and colors if i'm not mistaken um, holy but, cow hey yeah. mike what's up um while you were reading the ghost in you were you mm-hmm. listening to the ghost of you by my chemical romance absolutely not let's move on um, <laughs> um right no, let's, but <laughs> i missed mean, opportunity that's all i'm saying given the new my chemical romance song that was dropped i should have been right I, this is a definite missed opportunity for me um but Let's let's talk about comics that we're excited for. Let's talk about comics that are coming up that we're looking forward to or that we're going to be reading next. Comic books that are on the top of our pile. Um, so let's let's just bounce right back over to you, Renee. What are what are you looking forward to reading next? Uh, I'm looking forward to um, actually just continuing to read. I read the chapter already for today, so I'm looking forward to next week's chapter. Uh, but Sakamoto Days, uh, chapter seventy-two, yes. story and art by Yuto Suzuki and his assistants. I absolutely love this book. Um, if you're not reading it, you're you've messed up somewhere. If you need to correct that immediately, read this book. Sakamoto Days is hilarious, and then also the art and the action is phenomenal. I cannot give anything but praise to this book. I've had a wonderful time just the entire time that I've read it. It also passes the the 50 chapter test. So there's plenty to read. Um, yeah, absolutely. hundred percent recommend Sakamoto days. What, what is this book? Uh, it's a manga. Uh, okay. <laughs> oh man, he's uh, killing it. Yeah. I think I've made that joke twice this episode. Um, yeah. I'm sure Mike loved it even more this time. <laughs> yeah. No, what is this book about? I guess Sak- Sakamoto days is about a retired assassin who now runs a, like uh, a corner store, uh, 
kind of like a 7-Eleven type thing or, or maybe it's like a small grocery sh- shop type thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but he runs it with his family and he gave up being an assassin when he met his wife. And so he just left that entire world behind and he's just trying to uh, you know, live a comfortable life. And also he made a promise to his wife that he wouldn't kill anymore. So okay, but he was the okay. best assassin in the world. And it starts out with like his former like protege who like used to look up to him coming to find him. Cause he's like, he's like, you know, I was hired to kill you. Um, and then he ends up being like, I don't want to do that. I respect you, Mr. Sakamoto. And he ends up working for him, um, at the grocery store. Okay. <laughs> and okay. He's, and he's a clairvoyant as well. So, you know, he can, Sakamoto is like a very, he doesn't talk much, but he thinks stuff all the time. So, uh, you get to actually see more of like what Sakamoto's like through, <laughs> the other assassins mind reading of what's going on all the time. Okay. Um, but then, you know, there's, there's lots of hijinks that sort of come around from people wanting to, uh, you know, kill Sakamoto. And then we also learn more about like the assassination world. And right now we're kind of in like a kind of like, um, like assassin school test type thing. And there's a reason behind it. It'd take too long to get into. Of course there is. Of but, course um, is. yeah, yeah. Trope's going to trope, you know? I, yeah, I know. And, I know. And, uh, you know, whenever there's like a trial type thing or like, you, you know, a tournament uh, saga, like, mm-hmm. I mean, let's go. That's what we live for. Exactly. Um, exactly. I mean, that's what brought Dragon Ball Super back to life, baby. So yeah, like <laughs> weeb's going to weeb and uh, <laughs> you boys living that best weeb life right now with Sakamoto days. So love if you it. Went on went want in on this. Start reading that on that Shonen Jump app for sure. And I think the first volume actually is now in physical print as well. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how I read it. So yeah. yeah. So well, Nick, what about you? What are what's on the top of your pile? Uh, I mean, for me, I just want to just quick plus one Sakamoto days as someone who is barely read any of it. Uh, definitely enjoying that book. So yeah, it helps that Sakamoto is the most unassuming looking assassin. <laughs> um, that's a great book. Uh, for me, it's definitely Hellboy in the BPRD, The Night of the Cyclops. Uh, this is written by Mike Mignola and Oliver Vitine. Uh Art by Oliver Vitine, although he's French, so I'm sure it's Olivier and then probably not Vitine. Letters yeah. by Clem Robbins because it's a Mike Mignola book. So, of course, it's mm-hmm. Letters by Clem Robbins. So the plot here according to the solicit, is, quote, uh, just as he finishes up one job in Greece, Hellboy is detoured into another adventure by a goat. Join Hellboy in a strange hidden land of treachery and togas as he takes on the wrath of a jealous god. Like cool. a regular goat? Or like a like a mystical goat? I don't know. The <laughs> solicit was only one paragraph and did not take the time to elaborate. So uh, I think the goat's on the cover and it just does look like a normal goat. But I don't know. Um, okay. You'll have to read it. Uh, featuring the storytelling genius of Mike Mignola and Olivier Vitine with art by Vitine and letters by Clem Robbins. The Mignolaverse meets classical mythology in this new one shot. Apparently, <clears throat> excuse me, apparently for those unfamiliar with Vitine's work, uh, Dark Horse published the complete uh, edition of New York, New York, New York, N-I-O-U-R-K, which is a post-apocalyptic graphic novel that he drew. Um, and was a 2019 Eisner nominee for Best U.S. Edition of International Material. So clearly, cool. he's got some nominations out there. Uh, beyond that, I'm not very familiar with uh, his work, but the art looks great. Um, we've never, oddly enough, with all of the other pantheons that Hellboy has sort of clashed with, uh, 
Greek has been surprisingly absent. So Mm -hmm. it was about time for him to, you know, punch Zeus in the face or something with the (laughs) red hand of doom. So, I mean, right. Sounds perfect to me. If anything else, the cover looks fucking cool. And it's got Hellboy with wearing a toga and holding one of those old classical shields, but it's got the BPRD logo on it. So it, you know, looks great. Um, yeah. Can't wait to get that on a t-shirt. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's, uh, it's fun to see Mike Mignola bringing in all of these different artists for Hellboy and the BPRD, especially moving outside of his usual stable of, you know, Ben Stenbeck and, and, um, and Patrick Reynolds and and the three or four other people that he usually tends to work with. So, yeah, I yeah. was surprised to not see Dave Stewart's name on this book. So <laughs> Dave's pissed. Dave's pissed. Dave's, Dave's, yeah. Dave's laying low this month. Dave, Dave must have, <laughs> Dave must have used all his PTO um, that, right. uh, that Mike Mignola hands out in Mignola bucks. I assume he probably. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. Uh, well, for, for me this week, I, that book sounds super fun. I I'm sure that it's going to be a blast because why not have Hellboy in the Greek mythology world? But, um, let's let's i'm gonna move on real quick and get to the to my pick uh but i guess before i do that i should shout out some of our folks who are hanging out with us on the discord today uh their picks for this week danny is reading batman fortress of number one and kev welcome kev from patreon uh is reading silver surfer volume three number 50 going way way back to read some old school silver surfer it sounds like fun um well this week i will surprise all of you in saying that i did not pick legion of x number one i was going to pick legion of x it's simon spurrier doing more nightcrawler and more david haller i didn't pick it because i'm actually going to talk about a book that i'm reading next because i'm in the middle of it and this is steins gate the complete manga uh written by yomi sarachi if you don't know if you didn't hear about this this is an anime at one point actually was a video game first um and the manga is based on a 5 pb and nitro plus video game of the same name it follows a series the series follows the inventor slash mad scientist slash just kind of dummy um named rintaro okabe aka rin as he and his cohorts discover time travel via a cell phone and a microwave that <laughs> The premise okay. there sounds crazy, but it actually is like a really oddly serious book about oh. like the ramifications of time travel. And as the story progresses, like Rin and the reader discover the problems of time travel, parallel universes, pa- paradoxes that are kind of all based around a lot of like internet myths that came about in the early 2000s on like old, old, old message boards. One of the core b- bases of this story is that there was a guy who supposedly claimed that he was from the year 2036 and he talked about how time travel was invented in the year 2036 by the CERN company or, you know, the group that's out there in in Europe. Um, of course, everything's changed with name differently. So CERN is spelled with an S in this book because they're trying not to, like, actually base it on real life things. Wasn't this guy's um, name like John Tortor or something? Or? Yeah, John Titor is the name oh of the guy in, in the This in book the manga. is written just, oh, my God buying this buying this right now (laughs) so it's this originally was like a series of visual novels right visual novel video games um but i have super fond memories of watching the anime in college um maybe not even college because these games didn't i don't know whatever uh the at some point i watched this anime and i found it to be really really compelling and i saw that recently the soft cover collected edition of this whole manga came out so i snagged it um at the local comic shop and i'm four chapters into reading this and it is just as chaotic and exciting as the first time i read it so many questions and so many unanswered things 
I think that if I was reading this in a monthly book or a weekly like Shonen Jump style comic, I would be so put off by it. But being <laughs> able to read it in a in its full collection, it's fucking awesome. Like every time you have a question, it immediately gets answered that and brings up more questions. And like this whole thing about how does time travel work? Each chapter unlocks another thing that makes you wonder how things work. They establish all these crazy ground rules that, that then the story has to follow in order to get to its final market, like place that ties all the way back to chapter one of the series. I I remember loving the anime and being confused and reading the manga. I'm loving it and I'm still just as confused. But <laughs> the thing the thing that I'm really excited about though is just to have this book at home because this feels like a story I could go back and reread a couple times and still get a lot of enjoyment out of it because it's intentionally told in like a really weird cryptic way that that takes manga tropes and makes them story beats that are actually like like hidden things for what's happening with the time travel. So like a character being really weird and like having these like extremely odd mannerisms or like only wanting to talk over text message is actually like a guise for something that's happening in the story. But if you're reading a manga, you're like, oh, this is just a trope. A character's being weird. And it's like, there's actually a lot more there. And you don't find out what all those things mean until like the final couple of chapters. And even then you have a bunch of question marks. So yeah, I, I'm really excited to read through this. Um, I, I didn't realize that there were five different visual novel video games that like tie into this. And of course, this storyline where anything that you do can affect the past. So the idea is that they can send text messages into the past that will change the future. So like you in your present day, send send things to yourself or other people in the past that will create these parallel universes based off of choices that they make. Um, and that makes total sense for a visual novel, right? Like you can just say, oh, I'm going to send a text message to so-and-so. And then the game does its little glitch moment. And then you go, oh, now this person thinks favorably of me or I won a million dollars or blah, blah, blah. And now I'm living in that line. I don't actually go back and relive everything. But I have memories from the previous timeline that I'm in because I am the main character or I am this person or I did this thing to make sure that I could remember. Um, it reminds me of some of the like really complicated stuff that happens near the end of Death Note. <laughs> <laughs> where like oh, no, you know light no. light has to mm. he like basically has to like hide pieces of the death note in a watch but he doesn't remember that his watch has like a special thing inside of it like it starts to get really complicated but i i love that this book is only like 27 chapters long or something like the whole story is just one and done and it kind of leaves you with this there could be a million more stories but it is only just this small thing because they want you to play the video game or do whatever but um yeah i really like this and danny's calling out butterfly effect yeah yeah you're pretty much right that ashton kutcher movie it's very similar to that um but anyways it's it's equally as sad because i actually i remember you watching this mike um when i because i remember i came over and you were like have you watched Steins gate and i was like no Mm -hmm. and we jumped into like episode three or four so i you had to explain the first like two episodes and i was like i'm so lost dude i'm so lost i just i remember that it's amazing. It's great. I, I really am excited to finish this and report back on what I thought because I'm probably just going to power through that this through this this week on top of all the other stuff I'm reading. But yeah, Steins Gate, man. I, I, I feel like this is one of those comics that people hate in the like manga world. And I'm sure there's a good really? reason for it. But I remember this being really, really in the same way that people hate Death Note. Right. Mm. Um, in that it's just kind of like over the top and too much and way more convoluted than it probably needs to be. But I really like this story and I like even reading it now. I'm like, oh man, I loved all of these little bits and pieces of this book. So yeah, looking forward to finishing it and uh, hopefully it's as great as I remember at the end. So that's me. 
yeah, I guess, um, I don't know. That kind of wraps up this week's episode, unless you guys had anything else you wanted to talk about here. But we've already gone for so long on today's episode. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, I guess then to, to wrap things up, next week's episode, we are off. So it's not going to be a live episode. Um, Kate and I sat down and we read a bunch of comped comics, stuff that we probably wouldn't have read in the past, but some publishers were nice enough to send them over to us. So we're, give them, we're giving some honest reviews. You know, when you send us a comic, you're, you don't know what it's going to be, a mixed bag of stuff. Kate and I read a bunch of different comic books and um, the results may surprise you, I guess. But yeah, that's going to be fun. That'll be airing next week. And uh, the following week, I guess I'll just say, I think I announced it in the episode that we recorded, but me and Kate and Brian are going to talk about everything and all things Scarlet Witch. Like we're going to do a deep dive on this character a couple of weeks too late for the Doctor Strange movie, but uh, it would be consistent for us at IRCB to be late um, uh, to, to some sort of topic. So <laughs> here we are. Um, but yeah, until then, you know, you can always follow us on Twitter. You can follow Nick at Death Star Plans. You can follow Renee at Rodrigo29. You can follow me at Mike Rappin in the show on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram at IRCB Podcast. This episode first aired on Patreon and is possible because of our wonderful patrons. Join today for exclusive series access to IRCB Movie Club, Saga of Saga, and more. Join now at patreon.com forward slash IRCB podcast. Uh, if you haven't already, please rate and review our basketball, sorry, show. Uh, five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, yes, they have ratings, <laughs> or wherever you listen to podcasts because we deserve and please join the IRCB Discord community to chat comics and more. Plus, you can listen to our episodes live as we record every week. Check the link to our Discord in the show notes. Podcasts grow best when spread by word of mouth. So why not tell your friends, family, and local comic book shop about IRCB? You guys are killing me. Infinity Shred <laughs> is the best band in the universe. They do all of our music. You can find their stuff on infinityshred.com or infinityshred.bandcamp.com. Xander is a very cool guy who makes us sound very cool and puts up with everything that we say every week he is our editor and we love him to death i want to say thank you to everyone who listens to the show you are wonderful people we love you to death thank you to kev and danny for hanging out with us in the discord while we recorded today thank you to everyone who supports us on patreon you are the life's blood that keeps this comic book podcast alive until next time comics are good and so are you